the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Good evening, welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, silent assassin Matt Costa, working his magic. How are you tonight, Matt? I'm doing all right. All right. We uh, we had a little bit of an adventure on the way in here. We uh, thought we saw a UFO. That was uh, interesting. Science advisor Matt Moniz is along, and he's he's seen a couple. Uh, here and there, yeah. And uh, I thought that I saw a UFO, and, and I didn't want to think that I did, so I was running the possibility of everything I might have seen. And I couldn't think of any airship that I knew of that only had one blinking red light. I mean, isn't that... That's not really very common to just have one blinking red light. Don't you have to have white, like, headlight type? Well, no. What you're talking about is uh, an anti-collision strobe. Most anti-collision strobes on all aircraft flash red. Uh, You have navigational uh, beacons on them as well. Uh, Red and green denoting port and starboard just like in a vehicle. Uh, The white is generally landing lights, or um, and they use those as headlights when they're coming in to land. They don't always have those lights on. They don't always have the white lights on, but they do usually have, they have to have the red anti-collision strobe, mm-hmm. which on most planes is usually on the bottom, believe it or not, and uh, generally one on the top as well. Uh, but uh, they also have the uh, port and starboard marker lights, and... Those are usually lit too. Well, I mean, it was just—I think it was probably the angle that we were coming at. But we did, we did chase it down. Uh, Matt Costa and myself—he was, he was uh, behind the wheel and he was uh, on fire. He was Un- like, we unintentionally we followed it. Well, because <laughs> we missed our exit. But. No, I was going to say we missed our exit because we were following it. Oh, but uh, yeah, that 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 works too. But we did we did follow it. We followed it down to Cogshall Street. And then when we saw it, it, it made a turn, and then we could see that it was a plane. Yeah. But at the time, it was very far off and very high up, so it must have been coming down and then turning in toward the airport. It, yeah, I was going to say, what, it turned into the basic northwest into the airport. So, But, hey, it was an adventure nonetheless. But maybe you've seen a UFO uh, that you can explain. And, you know, a UFO is anything that's not identified. That's so right. uh, you can call in 508 508-291-0500, talk about anything paranormal, whether it be uh, ghosts, aliens. Uh, you know, I have my own little UFO thing today, too. Uh, you can talk about Matt Moniz. That's pretty paranormal. Hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I have my own little UFO thing today, too. Inform the listeners. Yeah, I was uh, approached by people in New York, uh, Pilgrim Productions, same people that bring you ghost hunters, asked me to do a reality show called UFO Hunters. I get to be the analyst, I guess, that they bring the samples to. You told them no, right, because you're too modest and don't want to be on television? Uh, (laughs) I'm basically, yeah, I'll I'll do the work, but I am not going on camera. Oh, you're not going to go on camera? No. Come on. You have to. You have to. You can't not go on camera. You have to go on camera with a spooky South Coast hat and a T-shirt. That's that's a given. But you have to go on camera. They have to see. They have to see. They're going to bring you in in some. There's going to be some cases, I'm sure, that you're going to have to go along because they're going to need your expertise, your research. You know, so there will be my equipment. Your equipment. Well, they're going to just take that anyway. Uh, but it, you got to go on camera. How can you not? 
I mean, unless they, you know, specifically said we don't want you on camera because then we have to, you know, put you in the Screen Actors Guild or something, then I can understand. But I don't know. It's 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 complicated television. Yeah. That's why we stick to radio. Easy, simple, effective. That and I can still go around places, investigate, and not have to worry about, you know, people coming up to me and bugging me while I'm trying to do it. No, they still bug you when you're trying to do it anyway. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting uh, kind of off tonight's topic. We have a, a couple of guests in the studio with us. We have Leanne Wilbur, the proprietor of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, and I guess you could say uh, keeper of the ghosts, if uh, <laughs> if you don't mind that term. And with her is her indentured servant, her <laughs> term, not mine, Andrea Caplet. So they are with us tonight to talk about the spirit activity in the Lizzie Borden house because coming up... On March 16th and 17th, there will be a Ghost Hunters University there, uh, and it'll be conducted by Christopher Moon of Haunted Times Magazine. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to play uh, an interview that we conducted with Chris, and we'll talk about how he connects with the spirits in the house. Uh, he uses an interesting piece of equipment called Frank's Box. We also put a phone call, uh, an email out to Frank to see if he wants to join us, the creator of Frank's Box, so maybe he will. Um, He's kind of a shy guy. And the funny thing about this is, is you know, we started planning the show uh, probably last weekend. You know, we said we want to make sure that because with the March Madness tournament coming up, Spooky South Coast will not be airing on WBSM for a couple of weeks, but we will be uh, broadcasting over the Internet. So stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com for updates on that. Uh, those of you who can't hear the, the show live on Saturday nights, this will be your chance for a couple of weeks. But... Uh, we were trying to come up with, you know, making sure that we could get this out there on the local airwaves before uh, it goes to the basketball tournament. So we started planning this on Sunday, and I think it was maybe Monday or Tuesday I noticed that uh, on the website for that other really big paranormal radio show that airs overnight that we can't say on the station, but it sounds like coast to coast. Uh, on that show, they had Chris Moon booked for Thursday night. So it's going to sound like we're just ripping off what George Norrie did Thursday night, but... Uh, this was kind of in the works ahead of time, and it, it it really made my heart sink when I was like, "Oh, he's going to be on coast to coast two days before. We're going to look like such copycats." So, but uh, George Norrie doesn't have Leanne and Andrea with him either. We've talked uh, about the Wheezy Ron trip that happened recently when uh, Brian and uh, Brian Hanwa and Ron Million came. We had some experiences there. We talked about them on the air. Uh, we've talked about in the past the experiences that you've had. What's going on there right now? What seems to be the state of the spirit activity at the home right now? Andrew, you seem to be really, uh, I don't want to say sensitive to it, but you seem to be uh, worried about it. There are times I'm kind of worried about what goes on there. And one of the stories that you told us, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners, is that uh, the last time Chris was there using Frank's box, some disturbing comments came over it about you. Um, they were all in the chimney room, which I know has a real name. What is it? The Knowlton room? The Knowlton room. Um, has a lot of activity. And Chris and everybody was around the bed talking to the Frank's box. And I was sitting on a chair apart from them. Um, just because I was so worn out. Because we cater the events, too. So I was kind of worn out from that. And, um, I don't know. Stacy Jones was there. The mm -hmm. ghost cop. With, um, Zaphis, I think, was there, too. So that alone is enough to set the house off. And um, Stacy was asking the box a lot of questions that, I guess, whatever they were talking to didn't want to answer. Mm -hmm. And 
Like I said, I was apart. I was very tired, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was being lifted out of the chair, and actually Brendan had said the same thing, that it looked like I just levitated out. And when we played the Frank's Box later, the recording from it, just before that happened, you hear the voice very clearly say, we need a distraction to get the girl. And that's when I when it, because then you hear the rockets of me like, oh my God, what is this, you know? It, it, and it was just kind of... And that's similar yeah. to what we experienced and what Brian experienced. And I guess uh, I wasn't there because I left to, to do the show to come here that night uh, for a couple of hours while the investigation was going on. But I guess once I left, uh, everybody was trying to get something to pick it up. And a lot of people had success with having their legs lifted by the spirit. And it was completely random. It had nothing to do whether you were male or female or whether you were the first person or last person. It, it, it did it randomly. And, and I know that uh, you know, one of the theories uh, is that enough spiritual energy being brought into that room, uh, that that's where, why it can seem to manifest so physically in that room. Um, but I also had an experience in the, the murder room, uh, the... the um, the Morse room, and I actually was choked by something down there, which I was kind of, you know, I was like, maybe I just imagined it, maybe I was just feeling a little bit, you know, claustrophobic or or, or uh, anxious, but w- what had happened was, is Ron Millione's son was down there with us, and all of a sudden, he just feels himself getting pinched, and there was somebody else in the room with us, I don't know if it was Lucky, but there was somebody in the room with us, and they could see something pinching Justin's face. And so, you know, like, yeah, he's getting pinched. And so I said, you know, leave him alone. He's just a kid. Come after me. And then the next thing you know, hands wrapped around my neck. So it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit disconcerting, but then I, I hear, uh, Chris on, on the radio and he's talking about how he was choked, uh, by Andrew Borden in his dressing closet. And he said he had the same type. It was like the same type of experience, the hands wrapping around his neck. So, I found that to be kind of interesting that maybe because uh, I was I was definitely trying to aggravate whatever it was because I don't know if you remember I I came downstairs and I said well I just got my leg lifted up and I got choked and uh, now it's really mad I'll see you later yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know if it's maybe it's because Chris and I are aggravating something there but does anybody get accosted that physically that you know of not too many people I'm. Every once in a while, someone will enter the house for an overnight guest that um, seems to get picked on more than anybody else, and it's usually the same person that I have bad vibes with as soon as they walk into the door. Um, you know, it's, it's running a bed and breakfast business. You you never know who's walking into your home, mm-hmm. and some people you you will invite back with open arms, and then some people you're just counting the morning the minutes till morning till they till they leave because you never want to see them again. So, I mean, it's a mixed bag. You never know who's coming in. hope that's not the way you feel about no, me. No, no, okay. no, no, no. You're invited back. Okay. But um, once in a while you will get somebody in the house that you... Just, just random? Just very random. Mm-hmm. One out of maybe every 500 people, I want to say, that you just pick up very bad vibes off of and you're just very uncomfortable with them in the house. And, the, when, and I know that I'm right when other guests in the house are getting the same feeling off of them. And um, I remember one group in particular, there were four of them in Mr. Borden's bedroom. It was about two years ago. 
and I want to swear they smuggled a keg in that night because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't allow alcohol in the house. And um, they were, they didn't even stay for breakfast. They were out of there by 8 a.m. From the activity bothering them while they were there? They, I, the other guests in the room asked what, what happened because I, I was sleeping on the third floor that night. So I didn't hear what was going on in the room down below. And um, the people who were sleeping in Lizzie's room said it sounded like something was attacking them. And they weren't sure at first, you know, they were having a picking on each other in the room, but no, it sounded like somebody was, and now that you're saying Justin was getting pinched, it sounded like somebody, they said, was pinching him, and they're saying, leave me alone, leave me alone. But they never told me what it was, and they were out of there by 8 a.m. Yeah, and the, the pinching, you know, that's just, yeah, a pinch hurts, but it's more annoying than anything else. Mm. And it just, it just seems like when something's pinching you, it's just trying to let you know it's there. You know, it's just trying to make its presence known. But I think that the, the choking, like you said, you know, you get a bad feeling. Other people get a bad feeling. Maybe the spirits get a bad feeling. And maybe it's because, you know, we're provoking it, because we're aggravating it. And that's why it's retaliating in this way. Well, I try not to do anything to aggravate Mr. Borden. I have to live with him. As you know, as far as I can tell, it's his house. He's, as far as I can tell, I don't think he knows he's dead. He's still going about his daily activity like he did when he was alive. I'm just his Bridget. I'm his housekeeper. That's what he sees me as. And, and so it, it seems like it's an annoyance when you bring all these people into his home then. No, sometimes he doesn't have a problem with them. He seems fascinated by some of them. On weekends... Um, I have a woman who comes to the house. She's a, as a regular now. She's a psychic medium, and she'll more for entertainment purposes. She'll do readings for the guests. She'll hold a séance for guests. Her latest thing is called um, "Ghost in a Glass." I think it's called. The glass is held upside down on the table, and the spirit moves the glass to yes and no answers. Tips on the top. They test fingertips to the top of yes. the glass. Yeah. Yes. So it's like using the glass as like a, a planchette? Yeah. Right. Oh. And I didn't believe how it worked until I actually saw it working. I was pretty amazed by it. But she says, no, Mr. Borden's okay with most of the guests who come into the house. And um, even my partner, Donald, he's the other owner of the house. Several weeks ago, some of his um, managers from his other business stayed over. And Liz did readings for them. And... Liz was doing readings in the front parlor, and she and uh, Stephanie come out, and Stephanie looked shell-shocked, she, you know, trying to process what I guess Liz had told her. Um, more as a non-believer, you know, it was the how could she have known all these, mm -hmm. these things. And Liz sits down on the black sofa, Mr. Borden's sofa, and, and she says, um, you know, Mr. Borden just sat down next to me. And Donald admitted to me, finally, he said, just before she said what Mr. Borden was doing, he had the faint, he, he smelled the faint smell, something sweet. And he looked down at Stephanie sitting between us, and he said, no, it's not her, not perfume. And she's, and Liz said, Mr. Borden just took out a cigar, and he's smelling it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Donald said that was the smell. It was wow. the smell of a cigar. He just caught a whiff of it for a brief couple of seconds there. He said that was it. And he's the most non-believer I have ever met in my life. Okay. Can I mention something to you? Olfactory hallucinations. No such thing. You cannot hallucinate a smell. Well, 
you can't imagine, you can't like have a recollection memory of what a smell smells like? Yes, you can, but I'm saying a, a smell is a certain hardwired thing into the brain. The, there is some sort of chemical that has to react. It's not like a visual hallucination where the mind's projecting something. The, the olfactory system is a bit different. It's it's more directly hardwired to the brain. And and also like a, a nostalgic smell, a memory smell, would be something that you'd have to be thinking about and wouldn't just hit you right. all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, uh, we are talking about the, the Lizzie Borden case the Lizzie Borden house uh, at 92 2nd Street in Fall River. Uh, and, of course, you can take tours there. There's tours. You can stay there. Yes, you can. If you go to lizzie-borden.com, you can get all the information. Uh, why don't we take a quick break, Matt, if that's cool with you. And then uh, on the other side, what we'll do is we'll play the interview uh, with Chris Moon that we conducted last night because he's a little bit busy this weekend with a, another Ghost Hunters University. So uh, we recorded an interview with him last night. We'll play that for you, and then uh, we'll get some reaction from that interview. We'll talk more about Frank's box and more about the Lizzie Borden house. So stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast. Oh! Who said I see walking in these woods? Wise little red riding hood. Hey there, little red riding hood. You sure are looking good. You're everything a big bad wolf could want. Listen to me, little red riding hood. Welcome back into Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, Matt Moniz, Matt Costa as well. And uh, we are going to play for you right now an interview with Chris Moon. Uh, he's a paranormal investigator, and he's the president of Haunted Times Magazine. And he'll be conducting a Ghost Hunter University Friday, March 16th, and Saturday, March 17th, at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast at 92 2nd Street in Fall River. If you'd like to get more information on this, uh, you can check it out while you're listening. Go to hauntedtimes.com or go to lizzie-borden.com. Both are linked up on spookysouthcoast.com. Just click right on the blog and you'll find everything you need. We also have a link to Andrea's website as well. So, yeah. Hey, it's, it's what we do here. We help out our friends. And we bury our enemies. All right, so what... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why don't uh, why don't we get right into that interview with Chris, and then uh, when we come back, we'll get some reaction, and uh, maybe and and we'll play. We have a whole bunch of clips to play from Frank's box. Uh, maybe we'll save those for the second hour to to kind of tease that a little bit for people to stay tuned because we want to hear from you. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. So uh, this interview will be about twenty minutes, and then we'll come back and we can take your calls. So we are on the line now with Chris Moon. The are you the publisher of Haunted Times Magazine, Chris? Is that your official uh, title? Kind of, yeah, I guess I'm I'm kind of the everything for Haunted Times <laughs> Magazine right now. Uh, publisher, senior editor, co-owner. And uh, when did you actually start the magazine? Uh, well, we started as an online back in uh, October of 2004, and uh, we've actually been in print now since uh, fall of uh, '05. And uh, is it it comes out quarterly? Is that the plan? Yeah, sure. So every three months we come out with a new issue. And now part of the the process of, of trying to put out your own magazine is you have to find somebody to distribute it for you. Have you been able to find national distribution for the magazine? Yeah, we've been really fortunate, actually. Um, we uh, Early on, we uh, were contacted by Ingram uh, Periodicals, and uh, we're, we're now distributed through literally every major bookstore that's out there, Barnes & Noble and Borders, Books a Million, on and on and on, all through the United States and Canada. 
we're also very fortunate to uh, also have a, a really strong international following too. Excellent. Yeah, we're lucky because uh, here locally we have a magazine store that carries a number of uh, titles related to the paranormal. So it works out well for us because it's five minutes from the studio. So if, oh, you're, great. if we're ever hurting for show topic matter, you know, we just stop and pick up a couple issues of Haunted Times and Taps Paramag and whatever else they have kicking around. There you go. So uh, now part of what you do as well, though, is you also conduct these Ghost Hunter Universities. And is that something that you've done uh, previous to the magazine or is it tied into the magazine? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I actually started out with another magazine uh, called Ghost Hunter um, quite a while ago, and uh, that was just an online magazine where we did more uh, of the, I guess you could say, just uh, information sharing. We put up evidence, and people from around the world would put up their evidence, and, and uh, it was really a great, great thing that happened. But uh, we actually started the Ghost Hunter University series at the very tail end of Ghost Hunter magazine, and uh, it actually, uh, and that was back in, I'd say, 03, and then that actually led into uh, the series that we did with Haunted Times. And uh, what we did is we were really uh, in one location for quite a while with the Ghost Hunter University, and we just had so much demand that we had to take it uh, out, out to some other states, and it just really grew from there. Now now we're going international, which I'm really excited about. We're doing some cruises and some, some things overseas. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, what are some of the uh, overseas locations you're going to hit? Well, the first one that I know we have uh, a contract in on, uh, we're actually doing a cruise uh, that's going to go out through the Car- throughout the Caribbean. Uh, we're actually going to be teaching classes on the ship, and uh, we're going to be uh, going out to the different ports of call and leading investigations uh, in the different ports of call. Um, also been uh, uh, in negotiations in, in Italy with the Castle Brondo. Uh, that's about to happen, and we've got a few others as well. And now, if people want to sign up for, for some of these Ghost Hunter Universities, can they do it through the Haunted Times website? Yeah, actually, they uh, they just need to stop by the website, and uh, there'll be a contact number there. Give us a call, and we'll get we'll get them signed up. Excellent. And of course, we're we're talking to you tonight because you're going to have a local ghost hunter university in two weeks uh, here at in Fall River at the Lizzie Borden House. And this is what the second time you've done one there. I, actually, I think this is number four or five. Wow. We've, we've been there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just a, obviously a great place to go. I mean, I'm sure you guys know, uh, you know, what a great history it has and paranormal history it has and and uh, each time we go in we come back with just some amazing amazing evidence and uh, I, I just love going out there plus you know the staff is great too oh, of course uh, leanne who uh, is actually sitting with us here in the studio will, will will be with us once we're you know in the studio with her uh, she is probably you know the perfect owner for that house because she appreciates oh, yeah. its its original history as, as well as embracing you know the haunts that happen there and and helping people to understand what it is that's going on uh both you know spiritually and historically with that home exactly exactly uh between leanne and and andrea uh out there you know they really make it comfortable for people and they really make it interesting when you just go to stay whether there's a university or event there um it's always just a lot of fun to stay and what is some of the evidence that you have captured there in, in your past trips well, you know, uh, I think we've got a lot of the same things that other groups have captured when going out there, uh, when it has to do with spirit energy and, and things along those lines. But, you know, one thing we're always very fortunate to have is the uh, uh, Frank's box, the mm-hmm. telephone to the dead. And when we take this device out there, um, we're actually able to have full communication uh, with the, both the victims and the people who used to live in the house and, and things along those lines and, and have that direct two-way communication right then and there, which is is a, is a really big advantage for us. Now, for those unfamiliar, what exactly is Frank's box? 
Well, for lack of a better uh, term, I guess you could call it the completed version of Thomas Edison's Telephone to the Dead. Um, this device basically works in the fact that um, you turn it on and you can have full uh, interactive communication back and forth with the spirits that are in that location. And I know that uh, Andrea wasn't happy with some of the conversations that came over that box in the past. Uh, she was telling us a, a story where uh, she was in the room, I think it was the chimney room on the third floor, and she actually heard them say, get the girl, or something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Andrea likes us to come into town. We're good friends with her, but uh, she always gets mad when I come, too, because uh, whenever I get Andrew upset, uh, she seems to take the brunt of it. Uh, her energy uh, is the one that's most affected uh, more than anyone else. We had a uh, an instance here the last time around that I thought was really interesting where uh, we were leading a, a group upstairs uh, through, and... Um, while we were doing this, uh, Andrea, unbeknownst to us, was actually being uh, attacked downstairs. And uh, while, while that was all taking place, we actually were getting some amazing communication through Frank's box up in, in uh, the upstairs rooms. And uh, there was a girl who was on our, our tour that night that actually was taking pictures, and her flash wasn't working correctly. And the flash wouldn't go off, and it was a dark room, and she ended up capturing... The, uh, a full-bodied, uh, I guess you could say, an apparition's head, uh, Andrew Borden's head, full-figured. It was just amazing. So is is that your belief? Is that your theory, that it's actually Andrew Borden that is the bulk of this paranormal activity? Well, he seems to still be really uh, protective of his family. Uh, regardless of what happened, he, uh, he still seems to want to protect either the family or the family's secrets. So, um, you know, I've been attacked by him in the house, Um and, and he seems to definitely, uh, definitely focus his energy back on me. Yeah, because we had an interesting experience uh, the second to last time we were there. Last October, uh, we were there with uh, just some people that were staying there for the weekend. And we had a situation where I laid on the bed and my legs were picked up by some unknown entity. And then when we went back last time with, uh, with uh, Ron Millione and Brian Hanwa uh, on their trip that they had there, we kind of got more into provoking it. And before that point, we were kind of operating on the premise that it was the two children from next door that were kind of playing around and, and messing with us. But whatever it was got really angry when we started provoking it and just grabbed the top of my foot and later Brian's foot and just yanked up as hard as it could. And it was definitely something tall and strong. So I could, I could see Andrew Borden as being the, the culprit in that case. Well, he's definitely come through um, uh, several times and, and identified himself as Andrew Borden. Um, and uh, he, he's not happy when you start asking the questions that nobody wants to talk about uh, when it has to do with why was this crime committed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's very defensive of that. I've actually I've got some examples up on the Haunted Times site if anybody gets a chance to stop by at hauntedtimes.com. And in the center of the page, uh, we did a radio show on Coast to Coast, but uh, there's some examples from the, from the Lizzie Borden house uh, that involve Bridget and Andrew um, when John Zaffis was there with us at the, at the last university, he asked some pretty thought-provoking questions and got some pretty strong answers back. Well, and it seems like uh, whatever is there, like you said, if it's Andrew Borden's presence, they do want to keep a secret, you know, who committed these murders. Uh, uh, I know that mediums and, and psychics have gone in and tried to communicate with whatever spirits are there, including those children. And from what Leanne was telling us, one of them did connect with the children and asked, who committed these murders? Did you see these murders? And they did see it, but they're afraid to say who it was that committed the crime. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, we've run into a very similar thing with that, too, that they're afraid that they're going to be punished by whoever's still there, which brings up a lot of questions about how that's possible. So it really is interesting. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that we got, too, which I, I think is really intriguing, is the fact that uh, we asked a lot of questions about Bridget, and uh, Bridget keeps coming through. Um, and uh, some spirits around her keep coming through and actually uh, saying that she was very involved with, with what took place. Well, when you think about it, she she kind of had to have been because of the the amount of time, uh, the timeline that everything went down. You know, somebody had to assist Lizzie in the cleanup to, to be cleaned up by the time the police arrived. Definitely. I agree with you on that. And um, I, I, I just from these EVPs, I really think that, that might be the case. Uh, do you think it was uh, an after-the-fact helping, or do you think uh, she was an accessory from the start? Well, you know, I think it's—I uh, think it may have been a plan because the other thing that we had come through, and, and we got this in the EVP that's up on the site right now. Uh, the one thing that was mentioned that's really intriguing is uh, Andrew's son. Uh, he mentions by name his own son in the murder, and how his son drug him uh, through the house. So uh, the thought process is, is that he was actually murdered on that spot, that uh, it was some sort of conspiracy between uh, several members of the family and help that uh, that had to do with it, and uh, they actually took him and uh, may have killed him in one spot and then placed the body there. Well, our, our science advisor, Matt Moniz, uh, on a recent trip to the house, noticed in the photograph the position of the body. Matt, why don't you uh, tell Chris what exactly it was that struck you about that photo? Well... Chris, if you were to look at the photo, take a closer look at the way his hips are placed. If he was laying down sleeping, his hips would not be in the position that they are. Both butt cheeks, for want of a better term, are still on the couch. If you were to basically try and lay down like that, your hips are going to want to naturally turn out from under you. That is not, you know what I'm saying? The, from, well, if if you're to look at the position that he would be in, he would be sitting forward, upright, and facing left. He mm-hmm. apparently received a blow that knocked him to the right and backward. Mm-hmm. Back and to the right. Back and to the right. And, Sorry. And he, different murder. Yeah, yeah, a little, a little different. And the other interesting thing too is, is my uh, my mother noticed uh, one thing about the. Uh, about the picture as well, and it's his hands, how relaxed his hands are. Right, like um, they were sitting on his lap if he was sitting up. Exactly. It just it doesn't make sense. And, and from his own words, and I know that sounds crazy, but from his own words in this, this recording, he simply states that, that it was his son was involved and it didn't happen uh, where we thought it had happened. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the, by the concept of this Frank's box. I mean, is it... Is it an amplification of something that we can't hear? Is it giving them the energy to manifest what it is they're trying to say? Uh, what exactly is the theory behind this box? Well, you know, it's really interesting. We, we were talking about this a little bit last night. Um, there's a lot of different theories that go into it. And, and the person who built this, Frank, he, uh, he really builds the device more from a feeling than he does from a schematic. And he posts all the schematics. He, he puts everything that he does out there. But the fact is is that so many people have, have tried to build this device and failed um, that I really think that he's just the person who was supposed to build this thing. Um, really, in a lot of different uh, ways, this resembles EVP Maker, and everybody's familiar with what EVP Maker is. Mm-hmm. But uh, this device 
just has a whole different concept to it. It uses so many different more variables uh, that go into it, and the energy that's used in the quantum signals and things along those lines. Is there, uh, is, is it kind of opening the door for other things to come through that you're not trying to communicate? I mean, has there been instances where there's activity or, or something coming through that you weren't expecting? Oh, it happens all When we turn the device on, you go in, especially into a situation, say, like the Lizzie Borden house, and you have very specific people that you're trying to contact. Um, you know, we're very fortunate to be successful in contacting a lot of those spirits and having them come through. But when you turn the device on, you're opening up a whole uh, gateway. And basically, it uh, is an open passage for spirits to come through and try to communicate. It's also an opening for... Demonic entities to come through. It's also an opening for uh, interdimensional spirits. Um, it, it, you really have to know how to control the device, and it's taken a long time for me personally in, in research to learn how to do that. It's probably not something you mess around with when you're home alone, is what you're saying. Exactly, and you know, um, and, and I know how crazy it sounds when I say this, but we've actually talked to Thomas Edison about the device, and having him come through and give us very specific information about it. Um, you know, what, what's interesting is, is that when everyone hears about this device, they want one. Can I get a box? Can I find a way to do this? Can I do this? And the interesting thing is is that Edison came through and said very clearly that there's only 30 souls that are going to be permitted to use this. Hmm. Well, lucky for you, you're one of the 30, I guess, huh? <laughs> I, well, I'm guessing. <laughs> now... now when you contacted Thomas Edison, did you actually have to go to Menlo Park to do so, or is he able to come through in other places? Well, you know, we deal with all kinds of different spirits. You know, of course, there's there's earthbounds, um, and then there's what we call intelligence, and then on top of the intelligence, we call uh, what we call spirit teams. And uh, when we're dealing with spirit teams and spirit technicians, uh, we're able to basically contact them from just about anywhere. Uh, but you have to be very focused when you're trying to communicate with them because obviously a lot of different things can come through at that point. I so mean, when we go to edit, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, but you must be key to the operation of the device then. It must be using your energy as well as what it does for you to, for you to facilitate it, I mean. Yeah, I think that it really has something to do with, uh, and I don't want to say kinetic energy, but it has something to do with a certain type of energy that comes through. And I've done some, some controlled testing where I'll turn on a device while we're doing an event or an investigation, and uh, I'll, I'll start a session. I'll start talking to the spirits. I'll bring them through. Uh, people in the room will start asking questions and getting responses, and then I'll leave the room. And when I leave the room, you actually watch the energy completely drop off. And by the time that I come back, there's been very few answers, if any. And I don't think that that's because I, I have any special ability. I just think it's the fact that there's certain people who have uh, this energy that they can push through. And I also think it has to do with making communication with the other side and being trusted by the other side. Do you think that with enough uses of this box uh, and enough things like the Ghost Hunters University and the different investigations that take place that sooner or later somebody will get some sort of answers in the Lizzie Borden case? And then if so, where do you go from there? Well, yeah, I, I really do think that that's the case. Um, we've recorded numerous, numerous sessions with the box out there, and we've been given just very specific information about this, and I, I, you know, when it comes down to a Frank's box session, a lot of people just expect that answers are going to come straight through, and you do hear things very clearly from time to time, but I spend a lot of time going in and listening for all the answers to come through and breaking down clips, just like any other type of EVP, 
And, um, you know, I, I'm going to compile all these together, and once I do that, I'm going to put, put the puzzle together and see if we can come up with some solid evidence and, and a way to prove or disprove uh, what's happened there. But uh, I think we're getting really close. I, I really believe that. I mean, we're, we're at the point now where obviously we're working with, you know, law enforcement officials in place of psychics from time to time using this device uh, where we're getting more solid evidence that they can actually hear and experience. So it's definitely becoming uh, very relative. Excellent. And so now there's still spots available for this Ghost Hunters University at the Lizzie Borden House, or is it already booked up? Yeah, there are definitely spots left for this one. Um, obviously, space is limited just to, uh, you know, do at the house. But mm -hmm. uh, um, I think there, there definitely are some spaces left, uh, definitely for Friday, and I think there's something left for Saturday as well. And, and so it'll be two different sessions each, each night? Yeah, it's going to be the same class both nights. Um, we get a lot of people that come and want to take the class twice. So. <laughs> Well, that's that's good for you, though. It means you're a good teacher. Well, you know, I, I just think they, they have a lot of fun with it, and they probably come for the box more than they do me, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so now to sign up, they just have to go to hauntedtimes.com? Yeah, or they can give uh, give me a call. Um, our, our phone number's on the website, or they can give Leanne a call at the, uh, at the Lizzie Gordon house. All right. Well, we, uh, we thank you for joining us. Now, where, where are you going to with the box and the Ghost Hunters University following the Lizzie Borden? Uh, we're actually heading out to uh, Salem, Mass. Oh. And, yeah, we're going out to the Hawthorne Hotel, uh, doing a university out there. We're really excited about that one as well. Would you mind if we joined you? Yeah, come on down, absolutely. Well, we're definitely going we're definitely gonna to invade uh, the Lizzie Borden house while you're there because uh, we know where Leanne keeps the extra key now, so. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're just going to walk right in. Video. Uh, well, we'd like to, hopefully, if uh, if everything can work out, uh, we're going to try to broadcast live from there. So if that's, that's, if that's cool with you, I, mean, I don't want to step in on your university, uh, but, you know, I'm sure we can find a quiet place somewhere off to the side or out in the barn where we can broadcast back. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun, guys. All right, well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will talk to you in the future. All right, thanks a lot. I remember, everybody, go to hauntedtimes.com if you want to sign up or for more information, and you can also uh, find out more about the Haunted Times magazine there as well. All right, so that was our interview with Chris Moon of Haunted Times Magazine. Uh, as we said, he is conducting a Ghost Hunters University at the Lizzie Borden House. And if you'd like to attend, uh, you can stay overnight for 150 per person, uh, and you can go to just the event for $99 a person. That does include dinner. Is that with, That's when they do the, the actual presentation is during the dinner? The presentation is, is conducted first, and then there's a little break, and that's when we'll serve dinner just before the ghost hunt actually um actually starts for the night. Okay, so you get to eat and then you get, and then you get to go out and investigate. Yes. What a deal. What a deal. <laughs> Instead of the usual way, Matt Moniz, I'm sure you can attest to where you investigate and it's like, when can we wrap this up so we can go out and eat? So it's always nice to be fed first. Hey, I know, we, we feed you very well. You go off and you go sign on a full stomach. <laughs> there you go. So, And uh, if you do stay overnight, that does include the breakfast the next day, which you know, we, we didn't stay long enough for that, but it felt like we were almost there long enough. Uh, how much sleep did you get during the uh, the Wheezy Ron weekend? It didn't seem like very much. Uh, we slept after the Wheezy Ron weekend. All the way until about the weekend my, after. About Tuesday. <laughs> it was it was crazy. And uh, how many people do you let in for the for the Ghost Hunter University? Because there there was like twenty plus uh, for Ron and Wheezy's trip. I think maximum that they had come in on um, one of the nights was about 25 people, I want to say, was in the house, but not all of them stayed over. Mm -hmm. 
uh, like this event, you have the option of just coming in for the evening event, or you can sleep over. The sleepover, of course, is limit, very limited, uh, but I do still have rooms available for Friday night. Um, we actually are full now for, for Saturday night's event, but I still have rooms open for Friday night's event. And, um, you know, if you, if you make it through the night, we feed you very well in the morning. So why don't we uh, throw out the phone numbers, too, if people want to uh, get in touch that way. Uh, 508-675-7333. That will call you directly at the bed and breakfast. Or 877-880-6232. That will put you in touch with Chris. Yes. All right. So that's the way to get in touch with him. Or you can go online, howtotimes.com, lizzie-borden.com. And it's L-I-Z-Z-I-E in case you don't know how to spell it. But, hey, how can you not know how to spell it, really? I mean, we all talk about it all the time, and it's if, if you're into the paranormal, which uh, our audience is, you know, it's it's fast becoming one of the most intriguing haunted locations in the country. So you don't want to miss that. And if you've had experiences there, or if you have questions, please give us a call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. We have about uh, about nine minutes or so until we hit the CBS News. Then what we'll do on the other side is we'll do some Week and Weird. We're going to talk about uh, an interesting story that uh, came out earlier this week, uh, a special being aired on the Discovery Channel about the lost tomb of Jesus. We'll talk about that because you know, we like to make religious people angry. We seem to do it every week now. So uh, we'll talk about that. And we also have clips to play you from Frank's box. But right now, let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hello. Is Leanne there? Yes. Hello. This is Mr. Kirby. Hello, Keith. Hello. How are you, Leanne? I'm doing just fine. It's I'm good Good to talk to you. Still waiting for you to come by for a visit. Oh, we're planning on that very soon. Just as the schedule gets a little less hectic, we're going to come up there and visit. We can't wait to go there, actually. Oh, well, I can't wait to see you again. It's been, what, 15 years? It has been a while, and uh, I've heard what a gracious hostess you are there. Oh, that's nice of them to say that. Yeah, I'm sure the spirits <laughs> there are very happy with you tending to the place. <laughs> I, I live to keep Mr. Borden happy. Excellent. Have you ever seen him? Uh, not a full apparition, but I, I, know when he, I know when he's around when he wants me to know he's around. How does he let you know? I usually feel uh, it, my one side of my body will get very, very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he just has his little subtle ways. Do you feel he likes you, he's protective towards you, or do you feel hostility there? No, I don't feel any hostility. From when, any of the spirits? When I first moved in three years ago, I was very uncomfortable in the basement and on the third floor. I had issues with the third floor. Mm -hmm. The third floor, no matter what time of day I went up there, I had trouble breathing up there. It was like somebody was standing on my chest. Ah. And I had the same reaction in the basement. Uh, for, for some odd reason, though, I'm drawn to the third floor. That's where I normally sleep up in Bridget's room. Do you have nightmares when you sleep there? Oddly enough, I don't dream at all in her room that, right. I, that I can recall. Well, that's interesting. Um, well, I'd like to say hi to you and the whole Spooky South Coast crew. Hello to you, Keith. Hello. How's everybody doing? Hey, Spectacular. Keith. Excellent. We rehearsed today for my brother's upcoming uh, Lovecraft tribute. And I tried to get down there. I tried calling you, Keith, because I don't have Carl's number. Oh. And I must have been out or something at the time. 
But we'll we'll make it all happen. We have the technology. When's the next rehearsal? Next rehearsal, I think the next rehearsal is, um, well, my brother will get back to you and he'll let you know. One of us will let you know exactly when we're rehearsing. But I'm sure you're going to do a great job with The Raven. Once upon a midnight dreary, as I pondered, weak and weary. See, you've got not, the meter down already. Let's not ruin it ahead of time here. I don't <laughs> want to blow it. Now, Keith, I was talking to uh, an associate of yours earlier tonight. I was talking to Rob Tremblay of CERT. Oh, yes. And uh, he wants everybody to know that CERT, the Spirit Encounter Research Team, has only 100 tickets available, and they are going fast for the first annual CERT Paraconference, September 22nd and 23rd at the Colonial House Inn on 277 Main Street in Yarmouthport. Uh, you can call the inn for room reservations, but if you want to get in touch with uh, CERT to get yourself into that uh, into that conference uh you can go to certparanormal.com uh, the cost of the conference is 150 dollars if you purchase a ticket before may 31st and 200 dollars after so you want to make sure that you get on that quickly uh, what you get you get admission to the conference a buffet lunch a tour of a haunted inn and a meet and greet day one will feature speakers like rob trembley from cert and rick the medium from cert uh, also keith carl and sandra johnson will be there as well as andrew graham all from new england anomalies research so uh, that that's going to be pretty exciting to be the one of the first guests of the first ever CERT conference. And I'll be speaking on, you guessed it, demonology. All right. Also uh, attending will be Patrick Burns from Court TV's Haunting Evidence, and Steve Gonzalez of TAPS will be there as well. And then on the second day, they're going to have vendor tables and workshops, all kinds of uh, interesting stuff. So go to CERTParanormal.com, keep up to date there. And, of course, Keith, you'll have updates on your website, NearParanormal.com, too, I would assume. We certainly will. Just check our website. The info will be there. And, of course, you can also get the Matt Moniz episode of Ghosts Are Near. Oh, yes. Which I download to the iPod and then I crack my screen. (laughs) And and don't forget, if you'd like to watch Ghosts Are Near, uh, you don't have to be in Rhode Island to watch it. You can go online to nearparanormal.com and click the archives there, and you can get them right through Google Video. You can download them, put them on your PSP or your video iPod, save them to your computer. You know, do whatever you want with them. Illegally broadcast them in New Bedford if you want? Sure. And Leanne, we certainly want you as a guest on our show. Oh, any time. Just let me know when. That will be great. Fantastic. We'll let you know. And we'll be coming up to see you very, very soon. Believe me, dear. Okay. I look forward to the call. Okay. Great. Thank you for calling in, Keith. Nice talking with you guys, All as right. always. And you take care. You too. See you soon. Bye-bye. That is Keith Johnson, the founder of New England Anomalies Research, and you know him as the demonologist for TAPS and Ghost Hunters. Uh, he, he offers his own classes, Ghost Hunting 101 class locally, but uh, that, unfortunately, they have so much information to share in such a brief amount of time to do it. They only get two hours, so they don't actually get into an investigative process. They really just try to teach you all the different types of hauntings and the types of equipment you can use, and then they present to you some evidence they've gathered, and then the next thing you know... Two hours has passed, and you know South Coast Learning's kicking you out of the building because they got to lock up. So, but uh, you don't want to miss your chance to go to the Ghost Hunters University and get some real hands-on investigative experience, and to have a chance to listen to some of the sounds that come through Frank's box. And every time I say it, I see a chill go down Andrea's spine. I hate that thing. <laughs> well, we're gonna play you some clips from that coming up in the second hour. You will actually hear. Uh, the spirits uh, coming through, uh, speaking, and we'll talk about, uh, I had a chance to, to have a little bit of an email exchange with Frank earlier, so we'll talk about some of the theories behind the box, whether or not it's actually 
you know, trans-dimensional, whether or not it's, you know, life after death, a great beyond. Uh, so we'll get into that. Also, some interesting stuff uh, that Frank got when he used the box. Uh, he always experiments with them because he's always improving on the design. So uh, he got some stuff, and he put it up on his site. So we're going to play that for you as well. Uh, and, of course, we'll have the Week in Weird starting off the second hour. So stay tuned for that. We will have that for you uh, following the the news. Uh, and also, while we uh, have a few seconds here, we want to remind everybody about the upcoming Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society meeting. That will be at the end of March. That's free of charge at Cape Cod Community College. And this month's topic is Mystic Islands and Sacred Places with William Berry, Director of Crypto and Anthropological Studies for Capers. So go to capers.com for more information, and we'll be talking about that in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Spooky South Welcome back to Spooky South Coast, hour number two. Tim Weisberg here, along with Matt Costa and Matt Moniz. Spooky crew together again in the studio. Matt, you got any road trips planned up, uh, planned coming up anytime soon? Uh, possibly Waverly Hills, and then after that, St. Augustine Lighthouse. And Waverly's at the end of the month, right? The final weekend in March? Towards okay. the last weekend, yeah. So uh, at least for the couple of weeks, if we're going to be broadcasting uh, via the Internet, you'll be alongside us. Uh, and, of course, on March 16th and 17th, we'll broadcast from the Ghost Hunters University at the Lizzie Borden House. So sign up now before, because, you know, with it being so close here and, and the audience listening tonight, you know, it could be by the time it goes to podcast, it could be filled up. So make sure you check. As soon as you hear the sound of my voice, go to lizzie-borden.com or go to hauntedtimes.com for more information. But... So what we can try to do is, while we have a couple of weeks where the NCAA basketball is going to be here, we can try to broadcast live over the Internet through Planet Paranormal, our, our friends there who are nice enough to give us a studio each week that we never get a chance to use, uh, not being confined by the walls of WBSM, which does not have the Internet access we need. We can go out and we can broadcast live and we can take live phone calls from people we're going to try and set it up so that we can take live phone calls from people uh all over the world so if you're going to be listening to us live it's your chance to hear it and react instead of having to a call in blindly which we hope that you do or uh, b just not be able to call so stay tuned for more information on that we'll have uh, more information about the guests that we'll have as well matt why don't you give us a status report matt costa on uh, the state of our uh charitable event that we are doing like how much money we've raised no don't do or, that because no. we're, we're we're embarrassed we are embarrassed at the spooky south coast audience we are embarrassed for you because here is a great charity muscular dystrophy we are trying to help end muscular dystrophy and we can't get anybody to donate we can't any get money. bail money what is this i know we need bail money we're not going to be able to get out of jail 
I, th- I think that's what we're it gonna, is. We're going to get locked up for good. No, no see, that's the problem is people think that if they don't donate money, we're going to stay in jail. So I they're like, I'm not going to donate any money. I want those bastards to stay in jail. <laughs> but you don't understand. They're going to let us go eventually because it's a charitable event. They're not going to keep us. So you might as well just send us some money. Exactly. And you can donate money either by going to our uh, – you can go to the message board and there's a link up on the under the latest news or you can go to our MySpace and click click on our ugly mugs behind bars and it will take you to our link where you can donate money. You can print out a form that uh, and send us money. A lady from Fall River sent us some money the other day, which was good to get in the mail. I, I don't get money in the mail often. I usually get <laughs> well, it's bills. it's not your money. Well, I, it, it is till I give it to them. Okay. So, so you at least get the, the nice feeling yeah. of opening up the envelope. I do. Uh, Grandma doesn't send you the birthday cards anymore? No, not anymore. Yeah, once you turn 18, you don't get them anymore. She can't even spell my name right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you I know. Love, I still love you. I still love you, Grandma. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to give out the address for people to mail m- mail donations to you? Uh, sure. You can either mail it to um, you can mail it to Tim and Matt at Spooky South Coast at PO Box three two seven one in Wareham, Massachusetts o two five seven one. Easiest way is just to go to and go to the uh, message board and or our MySpace and, and the interesting do it thing, that way. The interesting thing about that, not to interrupt you, but uh, for those who are going to donate uh, online, the problem with that is is you can only donate with a credit card or a debit card. You can't donate through your PayPal, which uh, I know a lot of uh, online charities do accept PayPal. This one apparently does not. So what my wife is going to do is before the uh, deadline, which is March 13th, so time is running out, she's going to create a PayPal account uh, so that people can send charitable money through their PayPal and then we'll be able to just put that in there as a donation. And I think we can manually enter it in so people will still get recognition for making individual donations. And I'd like to add that any denomination is uh, appreciated. Absolutely. And uh, it's all tax deductible, so you can get, get your money back from Uncle Sam. Our, our plan so. was that the original idea. I said, you know, we have over a 1,000 MySpace friends, Hong Kong, you know, tooting our own horn. So my plan was, gee, if every one of our MySpace friends gives us a dollar, we'll be close to our $1,200 yeah, goal. Except for unemployed Skeletor, because he doesn't, he doesn't have, have a job. job. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll cut him some slack. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Mr. Belvedere, we uh, have to cut him some slack, because he's dead. So Actually, it's, it's you know, we probably have a lot of dead people on our MySpace, you know, being a paranormal radio show. But... So we figured if everybody sent a dollar, we'd be close to the to the thousand dollar goal, I, to the twelve hundred dollar goal. I almost was willing to say if if we could raise a thousand dollars from our listeners, then we'll put in the other two hundred ourselves. I could do that. Yeah, I, I'll I'll say that right now. So if we can raise a thousand dollars by March twelfth, because uh, we have to hand everything out on the thirteenth. If we can raise a thousand dollars by March twelfth, we'll put in the last two hundred dollars so that we can hit our twelve hundred dollar goal. And you can save some lives and help and muscle. Very noble of you. Well, I'm not. I was just gonna take it out of your paychecks. Oh. Okay. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. <laughs> we don't get nothing. I guess that goes along with the uh, production monkey. <laughs> production <laughs> monkey. Yeah. It says that on your paycheck too. Uh, yes. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful. Oh. I feel, I feel so very weird. 
The Week in Weird. One of the big stories of last week, uh, it sounded real big, it sounded bigger than it was, uh, that they discovered the lost tomb of Jesus. They found in Jerusalem a tomb containing 11 quote-unquote bone boxes. These ossuaries where, uh, back in the first century, the process when somebody died was you would put them in the tomb, uh, leave them in there for a year, and then what would happen is their skin and hair and everything would decompose, you'd be left with just the bones. And then you would go in there after a year, take the bones out, and put them in one of these ossuaries, a box uh, designed to save these bones. Uh, and they discovered a tomb with 11 of these ossuaries in it. And they said, you know, inscriptions on them. One said Jesus, one said Mary, one said Judah, son of Jesus. So the big story was that they had found the tomb of Jesus. And they had done DNA testing to confirm it. Well, in actuality, it's all really just a, a big publicity hype to hype a new documentary that's going to be airing on the Discovery Channel, uh, and I believe that airs uh, tomorrow night or Monday night, I forget which one. It shows you how much uh, I'm planning to sit in front of the TV and watch it, but uh, it's being produced by James Cameron, the filmmaker, and apparently this was actually discovered in 1980, they found this discovery, and it's been known about in biblical circles for a long time, and by 1992 it was pretty much dismissed. But uh, a new filmmaker got a hold of the idea, uh, a, a, an investigative researcher, investigative journalist, let me find his name here, I'm, I'm really well prepared, uh, Simcha Jacobovici. So I should have stuck with not knowing what his name was. Uh, but uh, it says that they argue that the 10 ossuaries discovered in 1980 during the excavation for apartments in a Jerusalem suburb may have contained the bones of Jesus and his family. Uh, the film says the presence in this family tomb of an ossuary seems to contain the bones of Mary Magdalene, who was not a blood relative. Uh, it suggests she and Jesus were married because they found you know, the Mary and the Jesus side by side. They did DNA testing on whatever they could find. And uh, they said that the two people that they tested were not married. And there wasn't good enough DNA in the other ossuaries to test to see if they were the offspring of those two. When we're talking about mitochondrial DNA, Matt, how... I mean, how reliable can you get when you're talking mitochondrial DNA? Mitochondrial DNA is pretty much very reliable. It is uh, one of the groups of DNA that is found in the mitochondria, mm -hmm. which is a small part of the human cell, and it is indicative to the, your mother and your mother's lineage. Uh, it's found in pretty much every mammal. Uh, as well as in reptiles and anything that pretty much has DNA. Uh, but to, to use mitochondrial DNA to test to see if people are related, that's going to yes, be... Yes, that's what you would use, yes. And now, how small of a sample do you need to get that level of DNA testing? Because I guess in these ossuaries, there was nothing left. There was no bones. I mean, they were trying to find trace hair fibers, you know, trace, you know, whatever they could find that might be somewhat usable. Theoretically, one cell should be sufficient, but I mean, I wouldn't consider it, you know, statistically viable. Uh, you want as many cells as possible so you can get a good grouping. You, you digest it and you set them in a series or otherwise known as alleles, and then mm -hmm. these alleles are then uh, put into a uh, gel. The gels have a series of race lanes. The race lanes are then applied a current for a, a certain amount of time. And that gives you the genetic bands 
that most people are used to seeing. And uh, just the, from a common sense point of view, I mean, if you're going to say that the two people next to each other, you know, weren't weren't blood relatives, you can't really just necessarily make that jump that they're married, uh, based on the fact that they're buried together. I understand, you know, it's it's supposedly a family tomb, but they are jumping to a lot of conclusions. And there was, uh, you know, somebody was at this press conference that James Cameron and the filmmakers held. Uh, talking about how minute the possibilities are that there would be a Mary, a Joseph, another Mary, and a Jesus all in the same tomb. Uh, but apparently, from what I understand and what I heard on other shows, uh, Jesus was the sixth most popular name for a man at that time. Well, is that the actual name would be Yeshua. But it was still number six. I mean, yeah. that's like you know somebody being a, a William or a John. Well, just go to any cemetery that we have around here. How many names match the same here? I mean, you have... You, the various groups that were in Jerusalem at that time, uh, there were roughly, what, th- 12 different tribes of Israel there, uh, and each each of the tribes or groups or clans, you know, se- segregated themselves out generally from the rest of their population, buried their clan, their groups, their families in one, one part of their graveyard, just like they do here. Uh, various nationalities will bury their dead and one cemetery, another will bury it, even all in the same city. So uh, you can catch that special tomorrow night, but it is going to be kind of one-sided. Uh, pay, you know, keep a skeptical eye on it, and, and we'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be a follow-up documentary made by somebody uh, disproving what it was. I mean, just think of all the stuff that happened with the Da Vinci Code. And that's basically what this is rooted in. It's rooted in that theory that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were husband and wife. So uh, there are always people that want to keep that. I don't want to say myth, because we're not sure, but they want to keep that theory going. Uh, so this is just another step in that process. So we'll call that our week and weird for this week, because uh, it's a little bit weird when a 27-year-old discovery gets uh, front-page news all of a sudden. I said this stuff's old news to me. And it's old news to Jesus, too. All right, we have a call here. It's uh, probably our friend Ree, who we kept pushing off again and again. Uh, good evening, around Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hey, Tim. It is Ree. How are uh, you? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. And you were at the Lizzie Borden house for the uh, Wheezy Ron investigation. Yes, it was. And uh, what did you think of the uh, of the house? What did you think of the activity? You know, it it was kind of what I hoped for. You know how everybody kind of has their, their list of places they want to see and things they want to do. and. Mm-hmm. Lizzie Borden has always been one of them. And, um, I, you know, I was coping maybe just to catch a couple EVPs, which, which I did, but the personal experiences that I had there were just were amazing. They, they totally met and exceeded my expectations of a house. They really did. And what kind of personal experiences did you have? Um, well, that Friday night investigation that, that we did, um, I was actually in the room when Brian Hearn was, one leg was lifted off of the bed when we were in that third-floor bedroom. Um, so Saturday night when we came back, I immediately headed to that bedroom. You know, figured, okay, well, let me try this. Um, I'd been laying on the bed for about oh, 20, 25 minutes um, and was trying to provoke a little bit because nothing was happening, and the, the bed actually shook, and it shook hard enough that the nightstand and lamp next to it shook as well. Um, and we checked with um, the people next door. There was a couple girls sitting in the room next door to see if they had felt or heard anything, and they hadn't. 
Um, so at that point, I figured, okay, well, there's there's something in here that wants to play. Um, I mean, I knew it wasn't from from a big truck or a bus or anything because those had been going by all night. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly thereafter, uh, Ron Million came in with a couple people, and um, not only did I get one leg raised, I actually had both my legs raised and held for probably a good five minutes. And I'm sure you can attest, you wouldn't be able to hold your legs out for five minutes like that. They'd start no. to get tired after a while. No. Um, and after I got off of the bed, I actually was a little lightheaded for, for a couple minutes, had a headache for a couple minutes. Um, a couple other people got on the bed and tried, um, including Ron. He had his leg picked up not quite as high, uh, but they did pick his leg up, and there was another guy in the room um, that had his leg picked up for a few minutes. And that was and, after Ron had tried Friday night to to have it done unsuccessfully. Yes. Um, and in fact, after we were done with me, he brought in one of his his big gadgets that is supposed to kind of feed energy um, to the spirits, mm-hmm. um, creates ions in the air, and, and I don't know all the scientific jargon <laughs> on it, uh, but it basically kind of feeds them. Um, and once he did that, there seemed to be a little bit more um, activity, because I know two other people prior to him getting on the bed tried it, and they, they felt something, but nothing really happened. Um, and just uh, just so that I mean everybody's heard it through through my words, but just uh, so they can hear from somebody else, describe what it was that you felt, uh, how you first realized something was happening. Um, well, I, I could feel a. I tell everybody it was kind of like a cold electric feeling that kind of started in in my feet and went up through my legs, and then, and when I say electric, almost like a static electricity mm-hmm. feeling, like you know, little, little prickliness to it. It didn't hurt or anything. Uh, but it was very cold, and all of a sudden, I just kind of realized it felt like my leg was moving, and, and I said something out loud. I asked, you know, is, is my foot moving or my leg moving? Um, and the, everybody responded, yes, it is, and um, it had, was kind of moving side to side a little bit, which if that was, you, you know, like a nervous reaction, your foot would move uh, up and down as mm-hmm. opposed to side to side, um, and it just... It was just like, you know, if I was laying across my bed and, you know, a friend of mine was playing around and just kind of picked it up. I mean, it wasn't a fluid movement. It would come up a little bit, wait a couple seconds, move up a little bit more. I mean, it took, it was a process. I mean, it took a little while for everything to, you know, for both legs to come up. Um, and it was one leg and then the other. Um, but it was, it was a very cold feeling and you could actually even feel it like on your chest, on your torso a little bit too. Yeah, that's what would happen with me. I would feel, uh, I would feel a coldness like right over my chest, and I'd feel a tingling in my. I'd have my arms crossed across my chest, mm-hmm. and I'd feel a tingling in my in my fingers and in my hands. Yeah, uh, so much so that you know Matt Costa is the the big skeptic on our crew, and he even said there was something somewhat electrically happening. Yeah, uh, at least you know in that in that sense. Did yeah, it, I felt a kind of it was kind of it seemed like electric, more like static electricity, like you said, and a kind of a. Uh, Went up my arm actually twice. Mm-hmm. So which you know being you know looking at it from a skeptical point of view that made me think the first time gee maybe there's something electrically a char- some sort of charge running into the bed right. and when you put your leg over the bed over the side as we had maybe because that nerve behind your knee is feeling the shock of whatever this electrical charge is but getting underneath there I couldn't find any wires that would be hitting the bed I couldn't find any any way that a current would be running across the bed. Well, right. I swept the whole place with the EMF detector. There was no EMF readings coming out of anywhere in the room other than when things were happening. 
And so it was just, and I thought, you know, maybe it was something electrical. And then maybe I thought maybe it was a spirit, but it was raising it slowly because it had to gather enough energy just to move it a hair. Mm-hmm. But then once you make it really mad and just grabs the top of your foot and yanks, then it's a little bit of a different story. Yeah. So luckily that didn't happen to you. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a yank at all. It okay. was, you know, it, like I said, it wasn't very fluid. It would come up a little bit and then stop for a second or two and then come up a little bit more um, until, I mean, it, it was completely straight out. I, I mean, at one point I was joking around saying, Okay, well, as long as I don't start levitating, I think I'm okay. Um. <laughs> See, I was trying to get it to make me levitate because then people would have believed me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I came out of there, what, last October when it happened, saying that this had happened to me, and even I was starting to doubt it. Even I was like, gee, there must have been something else. And, you know, and, and here comes Brian saying, well, I'm going to debunk this. I'm, I'm going to figure out what's going on. And then when he had it happen to him, he was like, you know, holy crap. <laughs> Yeah, and I actually got a couple seconds of that on on uh, video on my um, <laughs> my digital camera too. I have about twenty seconds of that that I recorded. You don't you don't have me uh, on the floor yelling at it like a drill sergeant. I, I do. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> well, I was mad because I wanted it to do it to Brian too. So yeah, and and prior to that, we had been uh, downstairs in Lizzie's bedroom. Uh, actually, and this was Friday night, and I was down there uh, with with Brian, and we were following a scent of perfume that was moving around the room. That's a, a frequent report, right, Leanne? That happens uh, quite often. Yes, it is. So, uh, and and did you, uh, you said you got some EVP evidence there as well? I, I did. I did. Um, nothing calling my name in this one? <laughs> no, nothing calling your name in this one. Um, the one that I actually thought was kind of funny is um, when we were in the Morse room, um, I caught something that says, um, uh, open the door and leave. And that was right before I had said to Brian, you know, I don't think there's much going on in here anymore. Um, you know, why don't we head out? And then there's a voice, uh, same voice that says, oh, good, you're leaving. Um, and then Brian had followed that up with, you know, no pun intended, uh, but it's dead in here. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, it, it knew that we were getting ready to leave, and that's when we actually were headed to Lizzie's room at that point. Um, and I caught some things in Lizzie's room. I caught some get out. A couple things that I haven't been able to clean up enough to really figure out what it said, um, but but I did. I probably caught about a dozen EVPs in there. Wow. Well, uh, and I know you've already put some EVPs up on our site on SpookySouthCoast.com, but please, anytime you get any, feel free to share them with with our listeners. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, we, you know, I um, I, I am based in Maryland, so you know, we had a lot of places in Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Washington. A lot of places that we don't have the opportunity to talk about very often. But, yeah, and then, of course, um, I, I'm headed back up into your guys' area uh, this summer, and, of course, members of my group are, are headed up with me, too, in August. Um, we'll take you on the World New England tour. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love New England. I've, I've been coming up there pretty regularly for about the last 10 years, and first time I went up there, fell in love with it, fell in love with the history, and any chance I get, I come up there. Oh, it's great as long as you're leaving eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's when you have to stay here that you're like, blah. I'm a Red Sox fan, so, you know, that always makes it a little better, too. Well, and that works. Um, well, then keep listening um, to WBSM because yeah, they'll, they'll to be the preempting House. I mean, it, it's just amazing. Leanne and her staff are were just awesome hosts, uh, wonderful people that she's got working for her. Of course. They are wonderful. And and they're here with us, so uh, if you want to say hello, they Yeah, oh, Leanne, I, like I said, you, you guys were great. Um, you know, you made us feel very much at home and... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to coming back up and, and saying hello to you guys and seeing you guys again soon. Oh, anytime. Let us know when you're heading up. 
Sure will. Sure will. All right. Well, thanks for calling in and sharing your experiences, and and uh, hopefully you can keep us up to date on any of the hauntings down in your neck of the woods. I sure will. All right. And it was good talking to you guys. Thanks. Great talking to you. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. And if you'd like to call in uh, and share any of your thoughts or questions about the Lizzie Borden House or the paranormal in general, 508-996-0500, 508-2910-500. And, of course, you'll have your chance to investigate the Borden House uh, on, uh, I'm sorry, I almost said October, on March 16th and 17th as part of Chris Moon's Ghost Hunters University. Now, uh, we played our interview with Chris a little while ago. What we'll do right now is we'll take a break, and on the other side, we'll play for you some of the actual recordings captured with Frank's box. We'll talk a little bit more about what that is, and we'll play some uh, interesting recordings caught by both Chris and Frank. So stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome back into Spooky South Coast. Jim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And we're going to put Matt Costa into overtime here. We're going to make him do some hard work here because we've got a bunch of clips to play for you uh, that were gathered on Frank's box, which you heard Chris Moon talking about earlier in the show and which they will be using at the Ghost Hunter University at the Lizzie Boyden Bed and Breakfast March 16th and 17th. Now, uh, we'll just I, I had a chance to share some emails with Frank earlier. Uh, so he gave us a little bit more of a background of, of what it is that he does. Uh, he's been doing EVP research since uh, January of 2001. He used to use his computer and a freeware program called EVP Maker. But he found that many spirits couldn't use that system, so he developed his own analog system that seems to allow all spirits to communicate. It consists of random voltage generator, which is used to tune an AM receiver module rapidly. The audio from the tuner is amplified and fed to an echo chamber where the spirits manipulate it to form their voices. The audio from the chamber is picked up via microphone and fed to an output jack where a recorder is connected. And he's constantly improving this and, and trying ways to, to, to make it you know, better, to make it smaller, to make it more effective. Uh, and he's even working in video as well. So uh, here are some of the clips that he caught. Now this first clip, uh, he believes that in addition to contacting the dead, because... Frank, from what he explained to me, is not really that into the idea of, you know, uh, he was a little bit put off by the name of our show, Spooky South Coast. He's like, I don't think there's anything spooky about this. I think that it's just this communication is out there and this is a tool to make it happen. Uh, so and one of the things that he believes he's picked up is communication from extraterrestrials, people off this planet. Uh, so this is an example of one of those ones that he captured. And I think normally with EVPs, the way we play them here is we'll play it for you, we'll tell you what we think is said, and then we'll play it again. So we'll kind of follow that for same format, I think. That'll work best, Matt, you think? Okay. So here's the first one uh, in regards to extraterrestrials. Okay. So that is a recording of something coming through saying, we come from the sixth planet. So why don't we try that one more time? Now, the next one, he says, is his belief as to why it's not demons coming through, that it really is the spirit of people uh, or the voices of people, whether they have passed on or whether they are uh, transdimensional. Uh, but he does not believe that what it is is demonic uh, because of what it says here. Okay. 
So he believes that it's saying this isn't Hell's Gate, which, I mean, you got to really hear it to make sure that it says isn't and that it doesn't say this is Hell's Gate. But uh, it says this isn't Hell's Gate. We'll play that one more time. Uh, and now he has a section up on his website, which if you go to hauntedtimes.com, uh, down on the left-hand side, the very last link uh, is to Frank's website where he has a lot of these clips posted up. And he believes that these spirits have a sense of humor and that sometimes they're playing with them, uh, as evidenced by this prankster. So he thinks it's a little knock-knock joke. It's uh, The spirit says, knock-knock, who's there? It was death. So, you know, maybe uh, he opened up the door and whammo. So uh, let's try that one more time. And finally, uh, and of course you can hear these all on Frank's site if you, if you want to hear them a little bit more closely. Uh, finally here we have one that uh, is a, a little bit of some props for Frank uh, by the spirits. Now he's hearing big blast for Frank. I think it's saying big ups for Frank, but uh, we'll play that again. And then because Frank was uh, nice enough to to uh, let us use these clips one more time. So that is our uh, our sample of what Frank captured on the box. Uh, now, when he's using it, he's kind of testing it out and, and building on it and. Yeah, I know that you look skeptical. You look. Uh, is that what it is? It's just it's harder for you to hear. Yeah. But now it, you've heard you've heard firsthand examples of how this box works. What does it sound to you when you're hearing it in action? Some are kind of distinct. Mm -hmm. um, other ones, like well, we'll have a great debate. Did it say this or did it say that? A lot of people hear slight variations. Does it ever come back and reiterate what it was that it said when, when you're having these arguments? Like as if to say, I think no, no. Once or twice yeah. it has repeated itself. And uh, I know that when, when Chris does it too, uh, in addition to taking it out on investigations and using it, he'll mess around with it from time to time on his own, trying to see who can come through and who he can contact. And, and Frank's done that as well. Frank's contacted Marconi. Uh, he has uh, on his on his site a clip from where he contacted Marconi, and they both believe that they've contacted Thomas Edison, who is actually the originator of such an idea as a telephone to the dead. Uh, so they think that he's come through as well, and uh, I think that part of the plan is to try to get a hold of Tesla, which maybe we can ask Tesla if he can help us figure out how to live stream. Uh, uh, <laughs> around. <laughs> so, but uh, now Matt Costa has uh, some prepared for us that actually were from Chris, uh, from trips to the Lizzie Borden house and uh, other investigations that he's used it on. Do you play him? Yeah. Do you want, do you want to uh, introduce him? Do you want me to introduce him? Or? Uh, you can do it. <laughs> you, you're good at it. All right. Well, big ups for Tim. <laughs> so these are, these are from uh, Chris Moon, at, and they go in order here, the order listed. All right. So the, the first one here, here it comes. Daddy, are you still mad at me? Can you play it one more time? Can you just boost that up a little bit, or is it up all the way? Daddy, are you still mad at me? Uh, it, it's, if you hear at the very end, after the question is asked, it says, it solved me. So, uh, and, and here's, we'll go to the next one here. 
And that's that's pretty clear. You can you can hear that pretty well. It says, "I want be less noise." So it's kind of like the spirit's telling them to shut up and leave them alone. <laughs> and uh, here's here's an interesting one. And uh, there's there's a couple of these that Chris mentions uh, in the interview that he, that were played on Coast to Coast, and I believe this is one of them. I'd like to ask you some questions. I'm not going to speak over the top of you. If you could answer those questions as absolutely clear as possible, it would be beneficial to you, your side as well as to my research. He wants to meet Edison. So let's run that one more time. I'd like to ask you some questions. I'm not going to speak over the top of you. If you could answer those questions as absolutely clear as possible, it would be beneficial to you, your side as well as to my research. And, and you can almost hear it. I hear it saying Edison uh, a little bit underneath him as well while he's talking. Uh, let's go to the next one, which is actually John Zaffis was, uh, was speaking when this one was captured. Easy, are you down here with us? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> whoever they're talking about, we assume it's Lizzie. Not a big fan of John Zaffis. Not at all. Uh, there's there's a story behind this. It's him and Stacy Jones really upset the house when they were there. The entire house, though, not in particular Lizzie Spirit. Um, no, it was whatever comes through as they call it sometimes. Um, white hair, which we think is Andrew. Um, but that night, John all night said he was up, and when. That he felt like something was poking him in the back all night, and in the morning when he got up and he took his shirt off, there were all welt marks, like somebody had really just wow. dug into him. Does, does he have any theory as to why it's it's against him? Probably because he's asking questions, again, the protecting of the secrets and whatnot. And he is very inquisitive, yeah, so I can see where that inquisitive? would be Inquisitive? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a polite way of putting it. <laughs> what do you want to say, nosy? You want me to say John Zapp's nosy? Um, very provocative sometimes. Yes, he is, definitely. But not in a naughty way. But no. you know. uh, he he gets to the bottom of it. He gets questions answered. He digs. Yeah. So uh, we can understand why uh, she might hate John's F. So I want to play that one more time. Lizzie, are you down here with us? She hates you. Uh, so <laughs> here, we don't hate you, John. Though we love you here. So, all right. Uh, here's uh, the next one. William, I think there are some people here that would like to hear from you. Can you um, can you give them something, some words? You can hear that pretty clear at the end there. Uh, sounds like you're saying, my kid's crying, my child's crying. Let's, let's play that again. William, I think there are some people here that would like to hear from you. Can you, um, can you give them something, some words? And uh, move on to the next one. Your finger getting tired, Matt? Is Lizzie with you? There's a, there's a whole bunch being said there, but uh, uh, she's long run a specter is the sentence that stands out. Is Lizzie with you? Uh, it's interesting how uh, they they do seem to respond to the question being asked. 
uh, in something that makes sense. I mean, if you're putting it in context of, of what you're talking about and what you're trying to get to the bottom of, you know, is Lizzie here with you? Well, she's long been a specter. She's been here for a long time. Uh, here's the next one, which probably sounds like a lot of the EVPs that people capture there uh, without using the box. <laughs> that was pretty pretty clear what was said there, but if you didn't hear it, leave. So that that one almost sounds like a, a regular uh, open air EVP. So, uh, and let's move on to the next one. In Iowa. In Iowa, that was me. In Iowa. And uh, we'll move on. Moving on here. Lizzie, have you passed over? So there's a little bit of an interaction there with uh, the person asking the question. Uh, I haven't seen her, and then, you know, yes, she's fine. Lizzie, have you passed over? Yes. I will move on here. The Lizzie, did you have help? So, uh, Lizzie, did you have help? There's dozens of energies. Lizzie, did you have help? And this uh, this plays into Chris's theory, which he talked a little bit about uh, through the research that he's done in the house and through the communication he's had. He said he's been there about four or five times now. And through the communication that he's had, it, trying to put all the pieces together, he believes that uh, that Bridget, the maid, was involved and uh, knew about it from the start and was an accomplice. Uh, so this one kind of plays into what he's talking about. Did Bridget Sullivan help you? Flatly yeah, flatly denied it. Yeah, it's uh, Bridget flatly denied it. You heard them say it, but we'll we'll play it one more time for you. Did Bridget Sullivan help you? Flatly and, yeah, flatly denied it. It's almost like uh, I don't want to make inferences into what the spirit might be saying, but you know, Bridget flatly denied it, but she was guilty. You know, I mean, uh, that was just what I would assume that they were trying to say by by using that terminology. And uh, finally, the last one we have for you. Any spirit that you have with us tonight know any of us that are down in this room? Here in Denver? No. Kenny, I used to live by him. Uh, here in Denver? No. I, sorry. Any spirit that you have with us tonight know any of us that are down in this room? Here in Denver? No. So there you have it. Those are some of the... Uh, so we are on the line now with Chris Moon. The, <laughs> are you... Oh, that was creepy. That, that came out of that other little box over there. The wonders of the iPod. Uh, so, yeah, so there's some of the examples of what comes through on the Frank's box. And maybe you want to build your own Frank's box. Maybe you want to uh, try and build one and, and, and work it yourself. Now, uh, according to what Chris has found out, as he said, from Thomas Edison, only 30 souls can operate one of these. So are you one of the lucky 30? Well, I, Frank is being bombarded with requests from people asking him for one. 
Uh, but what he did uh, today, he just put up an updated schematic so that everybody could download it and try to build it themselves. So he's got it all there. If you are at all handy with electronics, and, uh, then you can figure it out because he builds these with parts that he finds uh, out of old stereo car stereos. and uh, he, he builds his own receivers now, but he says that you can find receivers that will work with it. and uh, this, How to complete the circuitry and everything is on his site. So you can um, go to hauntedtimes.com, and on the left-hand side you can uh, find the link to Frank's site. So. Is this something that you would want to see more people use in the investigations of the house? I know, Andrea, you just don't want to hear it plain and simple. But the ability to communicate directly with the spirits that are in the house and ask them questions, are you more contently with just letting them be and not poking and prodding at them? Well, me personally, I, I'm content with letting them be because, again, I have to live with them, so I'm, I'm not out to provoke them. But... I'm also comfortable with the guests who do want to come in and explore the house and do their own research. I, I'm fine with that. And we do have guests who come in with EVP meters, and um, they spend all hours of the night walking the house, taking photographs, doing EVPs, and then they go on their way in the morning, and sometimes I never hear from them again. <laughs> but, now, is, but, you know, I'm, I'm just happy living with them. Is there? Do you, do you think at some point... Something is going to be able to come through and give you just a flat out the story of what happened. I hope not. That would ruin the whole thing. Yeah, it kind of would. Uh, but then again, are you being told the truth if you are being told anyway? I mean, well, that's the problem. I mean, so many speculations have been brought um, brought up because of this case over the years that we will just never know the truth. And it's it's a shame that. If it could be told and it could be figured out, you know, ninety percent of the people out there aren't going to take it seriously, and aren't are they going to say, you know, it's they're, they're always going to be skeptical of what's being said and how the process works. Uh, the interesting thing about this box is Frank doesn't always get um, radio-friendly EVPs through it. You know, he doesn't always get ones we can play here on on WBSM. So. Uh, one of the things that he offers is for people that do think that he's really just taking in radio waves and and manipulating radio signals to make it sound like sentences and taking in bits and pieces of uh, AM or FM broadcasts, uh, he offers up a couple on the site with some, well, we'll say naughty words. We'll say the ones that we're not allowed to say on the air that we have that green button or the yellow button on the board for. You want me to say them and then you can dump them? No? Okay. Can I do well, I'm sure people understand what I'm talking about, but they can go on the site and, and hear them themselves, and they are pretty clear as day. So, uh, But he does say, you know, if there's anything that you hear in any of these that sounds like a radio jingle, a commercial, a bit of a broadcast that you have heard, then he wants you to get in touch with him and let him know that because he wants to perfect it so that it's not having a lot of those uh, outside interference coming in and, and distorting what it is that they're trying to do. So now... Ghost Hunters University is coming, uh, and then are there any more plans for, for more paranormal conferences or get-togethers at the Borden House sometime this year? Yes, yes. Uh, Chris is invited back two more times this year, actually, um, as are Wheezy Round Trips down, down the road in September. But Chris is coming back a couple more times this year. But the first one of the year coming up is March 16th and 17th. Absolutely. And so you want to make sure you go to hauntedtimes.com and and lizzie-borden.com and you can get more information and, and you know we're going to be there we're going to be broadcasting live so uh, if you're not able to attend because uh, hopefully you know it sells out by the time people are hearing this and 
and uh, you'll have a full crew of investigators. Uh, but we'll be broadcasting from there live, so you'll be able to at least hear bits and pieces of what's going on and to get an idea so that next time you know, you'll know you know that you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Fall River, for people who aren't from this area locally, pretty easy to get to. Just fly into Providence, take a bus, and you can take a bus right into Fall River, right? Yes, you can. Bus station's right around the corner from the house now. So uh, it couldn't be any easier that way. You don't even need a rental car. No, just... Hop, hop on uh, Bonanza or Peter Pan, drops you off at the end of the street, walk on up to the house. Would it be all right if we did our own little paranormal lecture up there? Want to do a lecture? Yeah. yeah, sure. That's a lot of talking. I'm pretty sure we can handle it. <laughs> well, the joke being that we talk too much as it is, but... Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much uh, learning and education that can be done through it that you know it's you're kind of at that point of being in one sense you're the proprietor of a bed and breakfast and you got to worry about the guests that you take care of but as as you do with the tours and with you know just being able to answer anybody's general questions you're also the uh, the torchbearer you're also the person that's carrying on the legacy of what happened there and, and making sure that the story is being presented and not being skewed by history it's it actually seems like a delicate balance to you have people who come into the house who are uh, historians. They they are studied the case. They've studied the crime, and they want nothing to do with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who come to the house who that is all they are interested in. And then you do get the middle middle ground who are intrigued by both. So it's trying to um, make everyone happy. <laughs> here, here's here's a question I have at for the same you. time. Do you ever get a guest that doesn't pay attention to either? Has anybody ever come to stay in the house and been like, somebody was murdered here? Oh, yeah, I've had that happen. I have had that happen. I had a couple call me just looking for a bed and breakfast because Newport was full. And they come to the house and, you know, they're starting, they're starting to look a closer look at the decor and the pictures and they're going, oh, my God, what's this? <laughs> what happened here? And so they thought your name was Lizzie Borden and... I actually get calls from uh, telemarketers looking for Lizzie Borden. It's quite funny. So uh, how do you respond to that? I just say, Lizzie's not here right now. Can I take a message, please? <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> that is. You've heard my answering machine message, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you, then you know I'm sick. <laughs> well, you know, right now is make sure you don't answer the phone when I call tomorrow then. Have you heard my answering machine no, message? No, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> well, um, it's funny. If it picks up, it says, Hi, you reached the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. This is Lizzie. Um, no one's here to take your call right now. Father's taking a nap, and Abby's going off to visit a friend. <laughs> well, hey, it works. Uh, now, of course, though, you're inviting people to leave uh, response messages in, in the similar tone. but Of course, yes. You must have a nice little collection of them. I have some interesting, after the... Uh, the machine clicks over to, to take the message. I usually hear a good chuckle on the other end of it. No, Moniz, don't prank call them. They'll know it's you. Call her ID. <laughs> I already do it. I'll call her and go, get out of the house. She's like, stop. <laughs> yeah, but if she started doing that to you, you'd freak out. So that's not really fair. No. What was it? Last summer, I was alone in the house, walking through the house. All the lights are off. I'm on the phone with her. And for whatever reason, the phone went dead. And 
I heard the uh, the phone wasn't ringing in my hearing, but the machine picked up because it was on a different circuit in the house. And she says, okay, I'm worried now. Did the house eat you? Call me back. <laughs> I was just on the phone with you. I was sitting up in Lizzie's room talking on the phone with her in the dark. What was it 10 o'clock at night? And the phone goes dead. Panic on the other phone, on the other line. Call me. Did the house eat you? <laughs> How often is the house completely empty? Uh, right now, quite a bit. It being being still Just winter, the time of year, yeah. we're we're very we're actually still a very seasonal business. Um, the bed and breakfast side of it, we do very well for tours right now. I think the weather helps out a lot with that. We had a good tour day today. We'll probably good day tour, tour day tomorrow. But uh, we vibe off of the Cape and off of Newport as far as our overnight stays. So now is the perfect time to to call up and. And book a room if you'd like to have a chance to poke around and investigate. If you want a, if you want a better chance of having the house to yourself for the evening, yes. Well, yeah, because because tonight I've got a full house. So if you're looking to do investigations, and we've had people come in with their equipment, and we've had almost a full house in, and um, you know you, you you don't get a very good investigation going that way. But if they you know, some of them get very lucky, and they have the whole entire house to themselves. All right, so if you'd like to uh, attend the Ghost Hunter University, remember you can go there and investigate with Chris Moon and with Frank's box, and you can also stay over if you'd like for 150 a person, or you can just take the university uh, event for $99 per person. Uh, it's Friday, March 16th, and Saturday, March 17th at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, 92 2nd Street in Fall River. Call 508-675-7333 or 877-880-6232 for tickets and additional information. You can also go to hauntedtimes.com and lizzie-borden.com and get all the information at spookysouthcoast.com. So uh, until the next time we speak, stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.